being on a treadmill or walking every day is wonderful. However, its primary purpose is cardiovascular conditioning, not brain health. But if you're doing something that causes you to think about what you're doing, to really have to pay attention to what do I do next or how do I figure this out, then you're engaging your brain and your body at the same time. And that is a much greater impact on your brain than something where you can just sort of shut your brain off and watch TV while you're on the treadmill or put on headphones and listen to music. You're not really paying attention to the movement. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with changemakers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is proven to help us age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. My goal is to share optimism about aging and introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about the podcast, which just won an Anthem Award, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind the scenes looks at our guests and other fun tidbits. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on the show. Find out more at JudyBanker.com. Com. Our technical director is Stephen Litweiler. Well, many of you know how painful it can be to watch a once vibrant loved one lose function in their mind and body. And our guest today lost her mother to Alzheimer's disease. And on top of the grief she suffered, she was left wondering what the future had in store for her as she got older. She discovered that the number one health concern of people of all ages is losing cognitive function and mobility as we age. So she got busy and spent years researching the relationship between physical movement and cognitive function. She became an expert on aging and the brain. And she found out that there is one non-negotiable you must move your body while engaging your brain to make positive cognitive changes. She developed a science-backed comprehensive program that addresses both body and brain. She's going to tell us all about it today. Welcome to the show, Denise Medved. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm delighted to talk to you, Denise. We've spoken before and you know um, how much I admire your your experience, your research, and your dedication to this this whole field of brain health, cognitive function, and mobility. And what I think is interesting and where I'd like to start is you were a very successful businesswoman for many years, and you now are really focusing on this work. Um, tell me about how that came to be. Of course. Um, one of the things that I learned over my 30-year career in branding and marketing and corporate uh, identity was 
how to get a new product to market or how to reach a new marketplace. And so after all the years that I did that for other people, when I became passionate about brain health and what we can do to help not only our own brain health, but the health of those that we love and care about, and maybe even our children and grandchildren can start to learn at an early age, I realized, well, I can put everything that I've learned in my life up to this point to work for getting the message out about how can you delay cognitive decline, improve cognitive function, and actually maintain and restore cognitive function. And so I have used my marketing skills and my branding (laughs) skills to be able to get this message out in the world. Because when my own mother, as you already told everyone, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I was in shock, quite frankly. My mother was what I would call a brainiac. Mm -hmm. She read books every week, real books. Uh, She took courses. She studied. She was a teacher. She played the piano magnificently, and she played, I mean, every single day. She did crossword puzzles and word games, and uh, everything that they were saying at the time, Mm -hmm. this is now Mm -hmm. 17 years ago, would delay cognitive decline or improve uh, what you have going on so that you would never have to worry about your brain health their cognitive function. And so the minute my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I said, well, this is obviously not true. This cannot be true. And within two or three months of starting to do research on the internet about brain health and cognitive function, and by the way, the word neuroplasticity was not on the internet 17 years ago. It did not exist. Uh And now there are millions of (laughs) papers and articles. Mm -hmm. And so when I started doing that, about the same time, within a few months, Harvard Medical School did the first study that proved definitively that word games and crossword puzzles and playing cards and those types of things that we always thought would help our brain did not delay cognitive decline. And still, many people don't know that. Uh, they're not aware of it. And so, Not only have they proven it at Harvard Medical School, but it's now been proven by hundreds of research facilities and organizations, hospitals, etc. And they have now discovered that not only neuroscientists, but neurosurgeons, everyone who is involved in the field of neuroscience in some way or another, that the primary purpose of our brain is to control the movement of our body. So now, yes, it can plan a magnificent retirement plan. It can create a mural (laughs) or a piece of artwork, but its purpose is to control movement of the body. And if you think about it logically, you'll say, well, that makes sense. That's how my hands gesture when I talk. That's how I walk across a room. That's how I get in and out of a car in order to be able to drive it. That's how I walk up the stairs at night and go to my bedroom. We have never really thought of it before as that is the main job function Mm -hmm. of the brain. So the converse is true. Not only does the brain manage and control movement for the body, but when there is movement in the body, it affects the brain. So it's very important to understand that Again, it's been definitively proved that the best exercise for your brain is physical exercise. Mm -hmm. And ideally, not just any exercise, 
being on a treadmill or walking every day is wonderful. However, its primary purpose is cardiovascular conditioning, not brain health. But if you're doing something that causes you to think about what you're doing, to really have to pay attention to what do I do next or how do I figure this out, then you're engaging your brain and your body at the same time. And that is a much greater impact on your brain than something where you can just sort of shut your brain off and watch TV while you're on the Mm -hmm. treadmill or put on headphones and listen to music. You're not really paying attention to the movement. Mm -hmm. It's an integration, I think is what you're saying, right? And that is really fascinating because I have dogs and I walk um, a lot, but it's very different than being on a tennis court and having to figure out where I can put the ball that it's not going to come blasting back right at me. And I know that tennis has been spoken about in terms of being very good for body brain because you have to strategize your thinking, the whole system's working. Absolutely. That's correct. And so Tennis, ballroom dancing, where you have to pay attention to your steps and your Mm. movement and how the Mm. flow is going in the room. Mindful arts like Tai Chi, where you're really Mm -hmm. paying attention to what your hand is doing and where your foot's being placed and whether you're leading with your heel. Those things are all mindful and in the sense that they are using your attention and focus to control the movement of your body. The bottom line is this, though, because some people say, oh, I don't want to take up Tai Chi at this point, or, gee, I'm not a tennis player, and I'm 78, and I don't want to become a tennis player, uh, (laughs) whatever it might be. The bottom line is this. Anytime you do something new physically that you don't already know how to do, or anytime that you take something that you know how to do and do it differently, you're engaging the brain. And so what I mean by that is if I even pretend to do five or six different swimming strokes that I really don't know how to do, but I'm figuring it out, and I pretend to do that sitting in a chair, that that activates the brain more than if I took a walk around my house and listened, you know, to music on my headphones. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is if I did something simple that I already know how to do, like if I turned around and walked backwards, my brain immediately engages. It knows how to walk forward without a problem. But the minute I turn around, it says, "Uh uh-oh, something new here. Let's Mm -hmm. try to talk to the body and explain how it does this in a different way. You can understand it when, when you explain it this way, Denise, it makes so much sense, but we don't really hear much about this. We don't. The information is just not out there and available to the general public the way I would like it to be. Even doing something as simple as if you brush your teeth with your right hand, start brushing your teeth with your left hand. You're going to be awkward. You may Mm -hmm. even laugh a little bit. You might poke yourself in the nose with your (laughs) toothbrush. But guess what? Your brain is engaged. It's saying, oh, this is different. So the truth is we all have the ability every day to be doing things constantly that we don't know how to do or doing things we know how to do differently. The reality is because we're not in the habit of it or because we don't fully understand what those things could be, then we don't do it. So 
that's one of the reasons that, that I've created this program that I developed after my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's was number one, what are the physical movements we can do that are simple? Anyone can do them, but they're probably things that no one's ever done before, or if they have, they did them in a different situation or in a different way. So these exercises that we do are very, very simple, almost playful and childlike. And by the way, that's how we developed our brains in the first place. I like to say that we did it by playing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to not stop doing for the rest of our lives. We played at learning how to throw a ball. We played at learning how to skip rope. We played at working on a team and figuring out how to do it. We played at learning to ride a bicycle. And as we did those playful, fun, experimental, exploratory things, we were actually developing the five primary functions of our brain. That is another thing that's important. The reason the crossword puzzles, the bridge playing, the word games do not delay cognitive decline is because they affect only one or two functions of the brain, what it is the brain does continuously all day long, all the time. All five of those primary functions need to be activated on a daily basis so that the entire brain is staying healthy, not just one or two parts of it. If you work crossword puzzles every day, you're going to get really good at crossword puzzles, and that may actually be affecting only one or two functions. But if you do things that affect all five functions of the brain, and I will tell you what those are, then you are getting a healthy brain. And, and I love the, the toothbrushing analogy. If you only brushed your front teeth de- devotedly every morning and every <laughs> night, you know what's going to happen. Uh, the rest of your teeth are going to decay. And that's similar to the brain. If you only stimulate one or two functions over and over with the two or three things that you really love to do, those areas will be strong, but the rest of the brain will deteriorate. And unfortunately, the brain doesn't delineate between, gee, this is the healthy part of my brain and this is the unhealthy part of my brain. In fact, it shows up as dementia or Alzheimer's or some other form of cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I mean, the word cross-training comes to mind. That's, that's exactly right. You're, that's mm-hmm. exactly right. That's a good observation. It's cross-training the brain. Hi, everyone. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down, and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. 
And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Um, so I'm going to tell the five functions of the brain mm -hmm. and I've done it in an acronym, which makes it really easy for everyone to at least understand it. You don't have to remember it. You just have to understand that, wow, I want my entire brain to be stimulated, activated so that I have better focus, concentration, memory. So the first one is an S and it stands mm -hmm. for strategic planning. Okay. And it's something our brain does in relationship to movement. All five of these functions are in relationship to movement, which is the brain's primary purpose. So yes, you could strategically plan how your IRA is going to last you the next 10 years, but that's a, a mental game. Mm -hmm. You're strategically planning how you get from point A to B to C to D on both a micro and macro basis all the time and you don't realize it. So I'm seated right now as I'm talking with you, but if I wanted to get up and walk across the room, my brain would immediately say, okay, what's the first thing I need to do in order to get up and walk across the room? Oh, push my feet down, uh, put my feet on the floor, maybe press down on the seat and lift up on my head, maybe put my right foot and my right hand forward. That's strategic planning. How do I get from point A to B to C to D? The next one is M, and it stands for memory and recall. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of listeners are very interested in that. Mm -hmm. There are actually two kinds of memory in the brain, both the memory of an experience that you've had, usually a physical, well, actually always a physical experience. And I'll explain that. But the other one is recalling what you know about that experience. So, for example, if I was going to remember something that happened in a baseball stadium where I was one night, and I'm trying to think of the name of that batter that, uh, you know, hit mm -hmm. the record home mm -hmm. runs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I'm actually remembering not just a fact. I'm remembering sitting in the baseball stadium and smelling the popcorn and hearing the crack of the bat. There's a physical experience with that memory and that's true of everything even as simple as a 
a geographical fact that you learned when you were in fifth grade sitting in the second row, third seat from the front. You actually have a physical memory of learning that fact whether you realize it or not. Now the recall is a little bit more subtle and an example I love to use is playing the trombone. I have never held a trombone. I've <laughs> certainly never played a trombone, but I have a pretty darn good idea of how to pretend like I'm playing a trombone. I would put a mouthpiece up to my mouth. I would slide mm. the slide with one hand. I would blow uh, into the mouthpiece. So that's recall because I've seen someone playing a trombone in an orchestra or a band or at a concert or I've seen it on television. Again, it's my physical memory of that experience so that I'm recalling what I know about that activity. So the next one is an A, and it stands for analytical thinking. Mm -hmm. And that means understanding all the parts or components of a physical activity. Again, for example, if it were playing tennis that you mentioned earlier, I might be thinking, well, you know, I need to get my tennis racket and I need to put on the proper attire and the right tennis shoes. And, and you know, gee, have I practiced my forehand lately? Uh, how strong is my lob or my backhand? So I'm analyzing the movements mm -hmm. that I'm going to be making to do this activity called tennis. The next one is C, and that's creativity and imagination. And imagination is literally what it sounds like. It's seeing an image in your mind's eye. And whether you realize it or not, we actually do that all the time, especially right before we're about to begin an activity. So even when I think the thought, I think I'll get up and walk across the room to the door, I'm actually seeing a picture of myself getting up off the seat where I am now, walking across the room and going to my front door. So uh, that's the imagination. And there have been studies done by Dr. Norman Doidge, who wrote the book, The Brain That Changes Itself, that showed that MRIs have proven that the actual physical action of doing something and the imagination of that action light up almost all the same parts of the brain. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. It is so amazing. So part of what we do in this these exercises or movements that we do to stimulate all five functions of the brain is we imagine what we're doing, we pretend, we act it out, and we're literally acting out the physical movements at the same time so that we're both getting the physical benefit of the movement and we're getting the mental benefit of imagining how we're doing it or how we're going to do it. And then creativity is is very simple. It's literally doing something a little differently than you've ever done it before. It's not, you know, painting a picture or drawing, although that involves some physical activity. It's more the literal things like I just said, walking backwards or mm -hmm. driving a different route to work or brushing your teeth with the opposite hand, being creative in your physical movement. And then finally is K. And that stands for kinesthetic movement. And kinesthetic movement or kinesthetic learning is the way we learned, as I mentioned earlier, from the time we were born up until our late teens or early 20s, when we were constantly experimenting with learning new things from a physical point of view that was, in fact, developing our brains. So we didn't take a course to teach ourselves how to walk when we were 12 months old. We just figured it out. We fell. We stood up. Mm -hmm. We watched 
mm-hmm. our parents or our siblings, we didn't probably have a course that taught us how to ride a bike. We probably watched a sibling or a friend appear and we figured out how to do it. And that is kinesthetic learning. So the body experiments with that movement and then the brain kicks in and helps us to become more efficient at that movement the more we practice it. So that's S-M-A-C-K, smack. (laughs) And uh, I like to say that's the sound of neurons or brain cells firing, (laughs) smack. Um, And it does, they do make like a cracking, popping sound that you can't hear. Uh, You can't hear the smack either. But that's actually what the sounds of neurons make when they're firing new brain cells. So uh, interesting. That's an easy Mm -hmm. way to remember. Mm -hmm. This is so different, as we said, than I think what the sort of average person understands and me included where you know I'm an active person but I certainly haven't thought about you know am I covering all my brain regions I will say though and I'm really curious to hear your take on this when I'm learning something new and I'm trying to particularly let's say with tennis it's a whole different experience to really try to think about it and have my brain coordinate the brain and the body. It feels very different than just going out there and hitting the ball. Absolutely. And that's what I call specialization. Because when you get to be in your late teens or early 20s, what we start to do is we specialize. We become, I am a tennis player. You know, I'm pretty darn good at this and I like it. I'm a tennis player. But we say, well, I'm not a hockey player. And we don't even want to try to play hockey because we don't think we can do it. And it would take too much time to learn how to be proficient at it. So what we start doing is we stop taking risks and putting ourselves out there to look awkward Mm -hmm. and clumsy, doing something that we don't know how to do. But when we were kids, we were delighted to do that. We were like, oh, let me see if I can hop on one foot. And then we'd fall over and laugh, (laughs) you know, but, but then we become much more self-conscious in our late teens and early 20s and for the rest of our lives, most of us. And so that's how they discovered that the brain can actually change itself. And that is the concept of neuroplasticity, the ability to change our brain and central nervous system at any age, specifically through physical movement where we're trying new and different things. So everybody isn't willing to try something new and different, but trust me that when you do that, you are really causing your brain to change itself and become more plastic and to become stronger and healthier. So when they discovered a 75-year-old who ran her first triathlon ever in her life, that I looked at her brain and went, oh my gosh, look what's happened to her brain. It's completely mm. different than scans were a year or two ago because oh, she's wow. learning something new that she's never mm. done before. Mm-hmm. So, And there's a little discomfort. I mean, I, yeah. I yeah, it feels a little bit, um, what's the word? And I, I don't mean it in a negative way, but it's a full body experience, right? You feel, you feel different when you're working your brain. 
Absolutely. Well, you definitely feel awkward or a little confused or clumsy. You're figuring it out. So you're not very good at whatever it is. You may catch on really quickly, but you're actually, you know, you're not accomplished at that thing. So that's a lot of people when, when you know that, when, when they invite audience participation. They say, come up here and try this. Everybody's like, no, no, I don't want to do it. No, no, don't ask me to do it. Uh, Because we're shy. We're embarrassed about looking silly, so to speak. So the reason I mention this is that these exercises that we've put together are not the only answer to brain health or neuroplasticity. What they are is an answer that's been put together for you already Mm -hmm. so that you can be seated and not look awkward so that you don't have to stand up in front of an audience or a large group and feel like you're embarrassing yourself so that it's not so difficult that everyone can't attempt to do it and laugh in the process because the idea is that if you have a program that addresses everything you want but nobody wants to do it then what good (laughs) is it right so this is designed to be simple enough clear enough that anyone can do it anyone can teach it anyone can experience it people can do it at home on their own and it's something that everyone can do and it's already organized for you so that you don't have to say gee what are the 25 things I can do today to stimulate my brain here it is you've put your whole heart into this yes Mm -hmm. I can hear how proud you are and um, how much you love it I do and what I've what I really love about it is that we did seven years of pilot programs in a top 100 hospital in the United States and we literally tried these different exercises we call them tools uh, because they're tools to help your brain be sharper quicker faster more functional and we we you know did test groups and pilot classes with people in orthopedics and we did people in rehab physical rehab we did people in pediatrics we worked with obesity management we worked in every category you can imagine gerontology obviously and everyone reported benefits and they also reported a change in their attitude that this made me laugh it made me feel young again to be experimenting with something and and playing basically Mm -hmm. um george bernard shaw actually said this and no he was not a neuroscientist Mm -hmm. uh, but he said we don't stop playing because we grow old we grow old because we stop playing You know, to add to that, I'm also familiar, somewhat familiar with the research on happiness Mm -hmm. and where people are finding the most contentment is just at that part where it's challenging, not so challenging that there's no way you can do it. But the idea that, okay, I think I'm going to get this. I'm getting it, I'm almost there. That's where people will often feel the most content and happy. And it sounds like that's a part of what you offer. That's exactly what this is about. So for example, one of the tools, which I think I can describe for everyone to understand, is called gentle geometry. And we use three shapes 
circles, lines, and triangles. And we draw those shapes with your hand, with your nose, with your foot. But the fun <laughs> part is, is that you would draw, a, say, a circle with your right hand. And once you've got the circle going, then you would try to draw a triangle with your left foot and try to get the circle and the triangle going at the same time. And then if you sort of kind of think you may be getting this, then you might use your other hand to draw a vertical line. And of course, (sighs) it's awkward. It's hysterical. Everybody's laughing. Nobody can look around and see what anyone else is doing because you're too focused on what you're doing. But Uh as you're attempting to do this, you're laughing. You're having a good time. And it's exactly what you just said. You're kind of getting it. Oh, I think I've almost got it. Whoops, no, it just fell apart. Uh-huh, it's, uh-huh. It's, it's that feeling of this is not so hard that I couldn't possibly do it, but it's challenging enough that I have to really think about it. And then after we spend two or three minutes doing that on one side of the body, we mirror it. So now our left hand is drawing the circle. The right foot is drawing the triangle. And then if you've sort of kind of got it, you might use your other hand to draw a vertical line. Oh, that's hard, Denise. I'm trying it right now. And the triangle is becoming a circle. That's what happens. It's amazing how how you think, why can't I do this? And it's because it's something that you've never done before, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Another one that we have that's really fun is called body math. And we tap our foot on the floor. and Everything's done to music, by the way. And you know that there's reams of research done on what music does to the brain not only the emotional body the physical body the 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 spirit but to the brain how music affects it so we play music and you find a beat and you start tapping your foot up and down to the beat and you tap the hand on the same side of the body and then you switch and you do it on the other side and then you start counting out loud and most music is done to like an eight beat count so you go one two two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Switch sides, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. After you get that going, then the the instructor of the class says, clap on four. And then you're going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then you keep switching it. And this is to teach the brain and the body to respond, react, and recover. The other game that we played with uh, shapes, general geometry, was really to stimulate all five functions of the brain and cause neuroplasticity to take place. This is about respond, react, and recover. How quickly can you get your brain to change that I'm not clapping on four this time, I'm clapping mm-hmm. on seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm clapping on one now. Oh, now I'm <laughs> clapping on five and six. So it's hysterical. Everybody oh, starts I laughing. I you, bet. You get it sometimes and you don't get it other times. Uh, And then you get off track and you get back on. But as funny as this sounds, that's a wonderful practice for fall prevention, which is a big concern of people because falls are never planned or expected. 
it's a surprise. And so that's what we're doing when we count one to eight on one side, one to eight on the other, tap the foot, tap the hand, and, and clap on different numbers. It's like, oh, we're not clapping on four anymore. Oh, now we're clapping on six. Oh. And so the brain is communicating with the body exactly the way it needs to do to prevent you from falling or bumping into someone or tripping over something or having some kind of an accident or injury. And it's in a playful way that we're training your brain and body to be able to respond to that, react to that, and recover from what happens. Wow. So fun. So I just <laughs> love the thought that's gone into this and obviously the care and the and the passion. So um, I know that people are going to want to find out more about this program. Where can they uh, go to? Well, there are a couple places you can go. First of all, we have a website called agelessgrace.com, mm -hmm. A-G-E-L-E-S-S-G-R-A-C-E.com. And on that website, you can sign up for a free class that you can download and take. Uh, mm -hmm. You can get handouts. You can get documents that are tips on uh, how to have graceful aging. And then there are also products and courses. Uh, there's a course in fall prevention. There's a course in how to stimulate the vagus nerve, which is critical to brain health. Uh, there's a course in there um, about uh, uh, what are the 21 different tools or exercises of the Ageless Grace program. We have seminars, webinars, you name it. And then I also have a television show on Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, same time as New York. Um, and it's on the winwinwomen.com TV mm -hmm. channel, channel okay. one, and it's called Living a Graceful Life. And I teach you a new tool every week and we talk about things that are that affect the brain and how that brain then affects the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self. And you also have a TEDx, is that correct? Yes, I have a TEDx. You can go to YouTube, it's the easiest way, youtube.com, Y-O-U-T-U-B-E.com. And you can just type in Denise Medved, M-E-D-V-E-D, and you will, it will pop up automatically and you'll get my uh, TED Talk, which says, uh, changing your brain can be as simple as child's play. Mm-hmm. Boy, you have been busy. <laughs> yeah. I have. Well, I'm. you can see, you can hear from my voice that I'm passionate about people understanding that they can actually impact the health of their own brains. We have, I hear all the time from people who say, well, that's the brain I was given, or this is what's happening to my brain, and there's nothing I can do about it. And both of those are absolutely false. They're not true. Even... In your 80s or 90s, you can start doing these kinds of tools and practices, and you can make a difference in your brain quality. You can slow down uh, cognitive decline. You can improve brain function. It's just a matter of literally, this sounds almost unbelievable, but they've actually done studies to show it's true. Spending 10 minutes a day doing some kind of cognitive tools like the ones I've been talking about mm -hmm. can improve your brain function. And it's actually better to do 10 minutes seven days in a row than it is to do 70 minutes on Friday morning because uh -huh. this is a cumulative thing. When mm -hmm. you are, in fact, 
stimulating those five functions today and then you do it again tomorrow and you do it again the next day, then you will be maintaining or improving your brain function as opposed to if you did it all on Friday in a 70-minute uh class that you gave yourself, then your brain would start to decline cognitively between then and the time that you did your next brain I function. I see. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Wow. I've learned a lot, Denise. <laughs> I, read, and I, I already knew about you and your program. Um, I'm so, so uh, grateful that you've uh, spent time with us today. It's so important and I really appreciate your work. And for those of you who joined us uh, later on, I'm, I'm talking to Denise Medved and her program is agelessgrace.com. You should really check it out. It's so comprehensive and so thoughtful and, and I think uh, created with a lot of care. And I took input when I was creating this program. It wasn't just research I did. As I said, I did pilot programs at a top 100 hospital. So I had input from physical therapists, doctors, exercise physiologists. Mm. I mean, this information is is collected in one place from many, many, many different resources. And so, like I say, it's it's not the only way in the world that you could improve your brain function, but it's probably the simplest and easiest way to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Denise. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the 
clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.